Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Talking about Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Fly route, let's air it out. Topics. Oh, Brissett breaks away somehow. Looking downfield, Brissett delivers. Caught. What a play. Brissett to Hilton. And he pulled away from Vaughn Miller, of all people. 51-yard attempt. Rhodes will snap it. Sanchez to hold it. The veteran Vinatieri sweeps the leg, 51 yards away, the Colts take the lead! Fifteen, thirteen, Indianapolis with 22 seconds left. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Matt Danley. Thank you guys for coming back to the show. The Indianapolis Colts are now... Five and two, uh, still ahead of everybody in the AFC South with their 15 to 13 ugly, ugly win over the Denver Broncos. That is a game that uh, we started out with talking about this past week, saying that I thought that the Colts needed to put their foots on the throat of the Denver Broncos in order to kind of not only not not necessarily to prove a point to the league that they're for real but to prove to themselves that that they're for real and that they're not playing to their competition but unfortunately they did play to their competition today didn't look good had uh, before their final drive of the first half only 87 total yards of offense ended up with 318 for the day, so it did kind of, you know, improve a, a little bit in the second half. But, you know, nine total points sc- scored uh, by both teams in the first half is an ugly-ass game and end up being, you know, a Colts victory that they had to win, as you just heard, uh, with a deep throw uh, with Jacoby Brissett escaping the pressure basically in the end zone but more along lines of like on the one yard line or the goal line getting it down to T.Y. Hilton uh, getting the ball into field goal position and uh, Adam Vinatieri kicking a 51 yard field goal to win it for the Colts not man I don't even really know where to start with this because it's such an ugly game I mean the Colts just did not really put a whole lot of anything together like with any sort of consistency to be perfectly honest with you um at the end of the first half the Colts had uh, ended up having a whole 130 total yards Brissett was seven for 11 uh 73 yards passing they were two of six on third down and they had four penalties uh through the first half the Colts had averaged five and a half penalties throughout the first six games of the season 
and they ended up with 10 for over 100 yards of penalty yardage. And they were the best penalty yardage team uh, in the league, if I'm not mistaken, top two or three anyways. Um, so th this was a, a – honestly, this was a terrible game for the Colts. They ended up winning. So I guess if there's a positive that I come out of this with, the main thing is that if you can have the worst game of the year and still win the game, then things aren't quite as bad as they feel or seem, I suppose. Uh, this, to me, was just one of the most ugly combined performances between the offense. Um, I, I wasn't – I don't think that – I think that you can clearly say – uh, that this was one of, you know, the the worst games that we saw, in my opinion, from Frank Reich. Uh, how, however, you know, he kind of he did end up doing this. I, I made a tweet at the end of the game saying, that, you know, that uh, Reich can kind of coach speak his way through the last few plays of the game all he wants, but running the ball to me, it didn't feel like that was Frank Reich's forte, or you know, that's not his his style, more or less. He's a guy passed to get. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen. He's a guy that is uh, kind of a pass to get your first downs, be aggressive, go after everything. And in running the ball to set Vinatieri up, who had missed a field goal and an extra point already in this game, that to me seemed <laughs> like an awful, uh, you know, uh, just a, a very chancy way to play the game I, I just didn't like it it did end up winning you know uh you know the game the Colts ended up coming out on top so I mean I guess you can say okay it, it worked uh so there's nothing really to bitch about but that just look it just wasn't his style and the, he kind of preaches his style going forward on fourth down should have gone for fourth down in my opinion on the very first play or the first drive of the game they didn't Vinatieri misses a field goal. The Colts go basically silent from that point the rest of the way in the first half, and it was a real, a, a real kick in the ass, in my opinion, to kind of what we have been feeling about this team the past few weeks. I mean, you you beat the Chiefs, uh, you beat the Houston Texans, and you just do all these things uh, on both sides of your bye week. And you make yourself that impressive to your fan base and the national audience starts to take hold and starts to really pay attention to you. And then the next thing you know, you look like shit, honestly. That's just the way that, that's the way they look. In the first half, there was only uh, one wide receiver by position. Okay, I'm not talking about a pass catcher. I'm talking about a receiver. It was Chester Rogers who had one catch for seven yards at the end of the first half. That's a big issue. T.Y. Hilton had only had one target. He ended up with six targets on the day. Hilton did with two receptions, and one of them was that big 35-yard reception from uh, Brissett at the end of the game. That's a big issue in my opinion. He had a 19-yard catch at the early second half, and he had that big 35-yard catch at the end of the game. That's a problem. Um, Zach Paschal, one catch for six yards. Jack Doyle ended up leading the Colts with 61 yards receiving and four catches. This, I mean, you know, Naheem Hines is the guy who's really, excuse me, he is kind of the X factor in the passing game. He gets a lot of yak. He gets, you know, he and he kind of does this thing when they use him as a running back where he'll get a nice gain 
But they've got to stop after <laughs> after that nice gain because he gets stacked up immediately any other time he's in the backfield as a running back and actually tries to run the ball. Uh, we did see, you know, one turnover uh, today was the fumble by Brissett. Looked like that could be catastrophic, honestly. The Colts end up coming out of it with, you know, a field goal, if I'm not mistaken, uh, giving the – no, I think it was a touchdown on that one. Or they made him – honestly, I don't remember now. I have to go back through my notes. Sorry about that. Anyways, the point being is that the, these – there are so many things that can happen in a game that can change the trajectory of the way the game's played that when you play a style of game like the Colts are playing right now with it, which is ultimately run first, which is fine when it works, right? And when you complement it with the passing game, but when you don't have a passing game and your offensive line sucks as bad as it did today, which is not the norm, so I'm not going to pretend that it is, but when things are going bad, you've got to adjust. And I just didn't feel like Frank Reich really adjusted. No, I'm not here bashing Frank Reich. I'm just saying everybody had a bad game today, and I think Frank Reich had one too. Uh, the only real positive that came out of this, I think, is the fact that the Colts won a, an ugly game, honestly, a bad game, their, their worst game of the year. The offensive line had the worst game, their worst performance of the year. Um, Jacoby Brissett had to run the ball six times. Those were not designed runs. I think maybe one of them he ended up running uh, on purpose, but the rest of them were all scrambles. He ended up getting sacked four times. He only lost 11 yards, so it seemed like he was running the ball a lot more than he actually was. Uh, but he was trying just to get back to the line of scrimmage on half of those. He was just getting beat up back there. He did have a nice yards per attempt uh, with 8.1. Uh, today wasn't I'm not saying great but it wasn't bad wasn't as bad as it felt but Marlon Mack had a pretty decent day on the ground uh, and then you take those two runs at the end of the game where he got nothing and you have a better outage from him honestly two of those 19 carries were just junk carries if they get something they get something if they don't they don't and basically what Frank Reich said in his press conference at the end of the game and 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 there must be something because even me, who's going to be pissy about any kind of way he explained out himself out of that, he he had me convinced that it was just kind of and it doesn't it's not a bad decision in the end. Thinking of the way he was thinking, I guess the, what I guess what I'm saying is I understand his thought process. On he says I didn't want to pass the ball in terms of dropping back. I didn't want a uh, you know a sack or a penalty to set them back and get them out of uh, field goal range. I think that makes sense. However, you, I still think that you have to feel like you've got the weapons to make up those five to 10 yards. If that were to happen uh, with a pass, he did also make sense when he said, it's not like we were tearing it up on offense today. He's not wrong. So it was hard for me to, you know, after I listened to that, I was going to like, all right, man, I was not ready to listen to kind of what you had to say about that last se bit of uh, the series at the end of the game. But damn it, you got me, you got me like in line. So I, I'm, I'm on board, I guess, kind of with how he explained it. I'm okay with his explanation in terms of it made sense to me, his line of thinking. So I get it. However, I, this game was just an absolute disaster. I didn't even want to watch this game as we're into the like middle of the fourth quarter. I'm just like, this is an ugly, awful game. 
Anybody who's not a Colts fan or not a Broncos fan was not watching that game. They got up and did dishes or they fed their dogs or they did something other than watch that pathetic-ass game because it was awful. It was the one of the most ugly games I've ever seen. Um, and like I said, offensive line had their worst outing, in my opinion, all season and probably in two seasons. Um, I, I think the defense was formidable. However, Denver's offense was so stinking bad, too, it's hard to gauge. It's really hard to quantify how well the defense played. They made the plays. They did what they had to do to, to win the game. But they played an absolutely disgusting offense themselves. So it's kind of hard to really place it. I thought Marvell Tell sucked today. Uh, I don't like that he was active. He was weak at the line of scrimmage. He was waiting. We saw on that Flacco uh, run for first down, we saw George Odom come up and basically just kind of toss a, a hand at Joe Flacco trying to push him out of bounds. He's 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, Lay his ass out, man. He's running the ball. And you've got a clean shot on a quarterback that you can split him in half on the sideline when he is three to five yards in bounds. Lay his ass out. I was I could not have been more disgusted in that lack of an attempt. He had a clean shot at him, no blockers there to get in his way. And Flacco ended up getting another four or five yards after George Odom ultimately just ran by him and thought that Flacco would be so scared that he'd get out of bounds on his own. There were plays like that all day. Um one of the things, you know, one of the things that I was kind of upset with the post-game press conference is that we did not get or hear an explanation on why Wilson and Kane were inactive. We had a big discussion about Kane and why he hasn't been productive this year. Um, and that's, you know, it, it's all fine and dandy, but you know what? How many catches did Paris Campbell have today? Zero. You know how many times he was targeted? Once. So what the hell's the difference? You got a guy coming back from injury. As far as we know, Deion Kane wasn't injured. But now we've got two guys. Ultimately, both of them rookies because Kane wasn't active last year from his knee injury that aren't producing and that really aren't involved in this offense. They're I don't I I don't even know if Paris Campbell had very many snaps today. I have no idea. So that is just it to me it's discouraging to see that we've got two guys with a lot of speed and a lot of potential and they're not in the game. And, you know, Chester Rogers didn't have a catch in the second half, only had one more target in the second half. I, I just don't understand what the hell's going on with this offense and what was going on with this offense today. We'll put it that way. Um, like I said, uh, Marlon Mack had a pretty good game. Um, <laughs> Jacoby Brissett, funny enough, had his most rushing yards of the year this year today uh 34 his previous was like 26 or something like that um defensively Darius Leonard led the team with 10 tackles uh had a quarterback hit in a sack uh tackle for loss obviously Anthony Walker had a tackle for loss so did Clayton Gethers Jabal Sheard Justin Houston with along with a sack Al-Kadim Muhammad um and the Colts got four hits total on Flacco I really liked aside from the fact that there wasn't a lot of like true um what's the word there wasn't a lot of true production from Ben Banigou today but he did have a sack uh he did have a pass defended there knocked the ball down uh at the end of the game or near the end of the game and he got a ton of snaps today a ton I like seeing him coming off the edge he's 
more explosive. Um, and we just didn't see a, a great deal. I didn't, maybe he was in the game more often, but I didn't think we felt like we saw a great deal of Sheard today. Um, Justin Houston had a pretty solid game. Didn't have a lot of, like I said, didn't have a ton of production, either three tackles, but he did have a sack. Um, there was just some differences with this, this team today. It just looked completely different. Um, I, I don't really, I, I'm trying to gauge this game and it's so hard because it was just ugly. And the funny thing was is that, uh, at one point, Zach Pascal had more kick return yards than the offense had total yards in the first half. So, like I said, defensively, there were some good good performances. I thought there was a, a couple of really excellent open field tackles from Kenny Moore today. Anthony Walker had another, at least one really good uh, open field tackle. That I mean, where these guys could have gained significantly more yardage is what I'm getting at. Uh, it was nice to see Malik Hooker was back in the lineup today. Okariki had a nice, uh, pretty nice game today. They used a lot of linebackers today, used them a lot today. It was kind of a, a different uh, setup for the defense. Rocky Sin, man, this dude is a walking penalty right now. He's had a ton of penalties in this game, and I think he had, what, five, maybe six penalties on him. A couple of them were, um, or I think a couple of them were declined. And he's had a lot of penalties on him. And I don't want to say a lot, like not, I'm not talking like 10, but he's had at least four or five other penalties this year declined on him uh, for holding or stuff like that. This guy's got to get his ass in gear and stop worrying about trusting his athleticism to get him back in the play. He was manhandled today uh, by Cortland Sutton. And Cortland Sutton only had three catches, but he beat him up all day. If he didn't have the catch, he he Sutton was targeted six times, and the, I would bet that the three times he didn't make the catch on those targets, there was a penalty on Rocky Sin. He just whooped his ass up and down the field all day long, and the Colts would not take him off of him. Uh, it was not fun. This was not a fun game to watch. I don't think anybody enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to come back. I'll go through a little bit more of, you know, kinds of the ups and downs of the game after a quick break. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, 
We'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you about TickPick. TickPick is a great way to get tickets to see the Colts or any other sports, music, or entertainment event of your choice. Not only will you save 10 to 15% off every ticket order, you can do it without any annoying fees at checkout. Think StubHub, but without the fees. Just head to TickPick.com, select your seats, and head to checkout. Get on your way to the next Colts game with TickPick. All right, folks, we're back. Uh, let's talk about this game, and let's get our butts out of here for the day. Uh just trying to go through a little bit more about what I saw in the game, kind of some notes that I saw um, throughout the game. Uh, in in the Colts' early portions of the game, there was a – I mean, you, you start out the game with a 47-yard return from Pascal. And then you th- – yeah, I mean, you remember, kind of remember this. Brissett's only first half target to T.Y. was nearly an interception, first passing attempt of the game. Uh, Chris Harris about picked it off. Colts did convert on a third down to Doyle. The running game was not there very early. Vinny missed a field goal. Ugly. Following possession on uh, on the Broncos, that was Kenny Moore's very first open field tackle. It was on third down, too, so it was a nice stop for him. Uh, the Colts ended up having to punt after a Brissette sack on their second pass or on their second possession. Then we get to Denver's next possession. Now, this is kind of where it just kind of stopped okay Houston sacked Flacco on third down Autry got a a personal foul for hitting the long snapper and this is something okay so the first time earlier in the season Autry got called for this uh before and the league said that it should not have been a penalty I don't know if this one should have been or not he was blocked into him but he was blocked into him by his own guy so I don't know how I'm not going to pretend to know how the league is going to discern between the two one way or another, if you're too damn close to do this, I mean, you don't need to be spread out. You're you're trying to kick a or you're trying to block a damn field goal. Spread out. Get away from the damn long snapper if you can't keep from doing it. You know what I mean? And like I said, I'm not saying that it was necessarily a penalty on Autry, but you have to. These guys have to line up better. If this is becoming an issue, then just leave the long snapper alone. I mean, just get away from him. You've got at least a four-foot margin there where you can just run people off of both edges. You have a clear split in each side of the line there. Just do it. Stack them up. I don't get it. Anyways, that ends up giving the Broncos a first down. They get new life on the drive. Banagoo got to Flacco uh, on a sack, but a holding call on Willis negated that and gave the Broncos another first down inside the five-yard line. Then the Colts' defense ended up holding again. They didn't get a penalty finally, and the Broncos ended up having to kick a field goal. Uh, It was a 17-play drive. That's a lot. Okay, so two things on this. Penalties sucked. It was the the story of the day for the most part, aside from Vinny having a bad day, everybody having a bad day. I don't want to just keep that on Vinny for right now, but he sucked too. Um, But this is something that I, I felt like 
the defense was doing a pretty decent job today. They made enough plays. Yes, the holding calls. I mean, the, the, and the referees are getting super ticky-tacky with these holding penalties. If they see a jersey pull away from that body in any way, shape, or form, they're throwing a, a, a penalty flag. Is it okay? I don't know, man. I mean, if they're doing it on both sides, I don't care. But, you know, kind of funny at the end of the game, we see T.Y. Hilton get clearly uh, uh, pa- uh, interfered on on a passing attempt. His hand was literally pulled behind his back away from where he's at. And somehow the refs don't see that, but they see the slightest pull of a damn jersey and there's laundry on the field. I don't get it. I I mean, is it just, you know, coincidence that these guys suck all year and they can't see something but other shit that's just so minute and almost impossible to see by the naked eye that they see it every time? I don't know. But this consistency from the referees is pathetic this year and it's not I'm not just talking about the Colts game I'm talking about throughout the NFL it is pathetic um then let's let's move on because it just seems like this is so negative and the Colts won today it was just it's crazy um Colts ended up waiting until I mean okay so let me get to this the Broncos started moving down the field later uh, two possessions later uh that was when Cortland Sutton started just rocking rockies in literally uh, penalties and poor coverage was killing him. Flacco was getting that first down with his legs. And I mentioned that George Odom, uh, basically hit like a punk, you know, when he had a, and he didn't even hit him. So I'm not even, I don't even know if that's accurate. He should have laid him out and split him in half, but he didn't. McManus hits another field goal. Colts are down six, nothing. Um, Mac today did on a couple occasions. Okay. So last week we saw him, I felt there were some running lanes outside where Mac really could have chewed up some yardage, and he didn't have a good game. I think he only had like 63 rushing yards last week against the Texans. Um, and then today, I, I saw that his vision went back outside a couple times when the interior was kind of stacked up. So I was happy for that. He ended up getting a few decent runs. Hines had a couple nice runs today. Um, I, I just kind of felt like the Colts just didn't get enough done. You know what I mean? Uh, the Colts did end up getting that field goal at the end of the first half. They had to wait until the last possession to get any points on the damn board. Um, but it, it happened. 6-3 at the end of the half. The Broncos went right down the field on their first possession in the second half. Sutton was making Yasin his son and uh, gets a 25-yard reception off of uh, Joe Flacco. Yasin stacking up a penalty again, had a big defensive penalty or defensive uh, pass interference call on him to get the Broncos all the way down inside the five-yard line. Uh, Freeman took the next play in for a touchdown. Colts are down 13-3. Colts end up getting another field goal on on the following drive. It was kind of – it just seemed like the Colts were trying to – so going into the second half, we all wanted the passing game to light up, right? To, to start throwing the ball. Wanted to see Brissett throwing the ball. Wanted to see Wright calling some more plays. Using his brain that we love and cherish and look forward to watching every Sunday in action. Uh, we wanted to see more of that through the passing game. It looked like immediately that you know the Colts started with consecutive uh, runs by Mack on their, on their drive, on their first drive out of the half. They ended up getting a first down on them on the second one. Uh, then right, it just kind of seemed like Reich was like, okay, yes, we're going to pass a lot more this half, but 
we're not going to come out and say we are predictable from the very first possession in the second half. We're going to still continue to try to run the ball. Uh, penalty on Costanzo put the Colts at first and 20. That was when Hilton got his first catch of the day, 19-yard pickup on that first and 20. Colts initially moved the ball down the field. They were getting starting to let in a lot of pressure on Brissett at this point. Uh, there were more pressure. There was like two or three plays in a row where he was getting pressured, and then a bad pass from Brissett to Hilton ended up forcing another Vinny uh, field goal. He hit it from 45 yards. The Colts at this point were 3 of 8 on third down, and they were down 13-6. Uh, Colts held to the Broncos to a 3-and-out on the following possession. First down play to, to Doyle. Fumble forced out of bounds uh, and rolled out of bounds. So glad that that rolled out of bounds. That could have really turned things ugly in a heartbeat uh, just because of where it was on the field. The Colts ended up converting a, fir- a third down on another two r- after another couple runs. Uh, Brissett again having to scramble, getting out of the pocket because pressure was relentless today. The Colts were just pressured up the middle. They were pressured off the edges. Brissett, you know, had his hands full today uh, looking downfield. So I was glad to see him not get shaken. But, you know, he didn't have a good game, but it wasn't because he just, like, was freaking out. You know what I mean? I, so I'm, I'm happy for him for that, or happy for that from him. Um, he also nearly threw another possession on this drive. He ended up getting a roughing the passer call, uh, which gave the Colts some more yardage. Mack ran it in from 10 yards out, and that's when Vinny missed his extra point. It was 13-12 uh, with 2.26 to go in the third. Basically, nothing happened until that final drive that the Colts ended up getting it. Uh, Brissett got strip-sacked in between here. The Colts ended up st- – now, here's another – okay, so l- let's go back to the possession before the Colts finished the game off. The Broncos have the ball. They're sitting at third and five at the two-minute warning, up 13-12. to 12. Phillip Lindsay gets the run. The Colts stop him with a minute 55 to go. If – Frank Reich was in that position what do you think he would have done up 13 to 12 I tend to think and I was sitting there thinking this live as I'm watching the game if Frank that's the difference between whoever the hell the offensive coordinator is for uh the Broncos and Frank Reich and maybe a lot of other teams in Frank Reich I'm sitting there thinking to myself Frank Reich would have passed that ball that's how you get yourself in line to seal a victory. You do that, that you pass the ball or you get creative uh, and then you run the ball. And they tried to run the ball so that the Colts would have to use their final timeout. That thinking makes sense, right? But not with almost two minutes to go on the clock. I'm not trying to act like Brissett is like a top five quarterback in this league or top 10 quarterback probably even in this league. But a minute 55 is literally like a week in the NFL. That is a ton of time to get something done. So much time. I They should have passed the ball. And then I go into the next possession, seeing that the Colts throw the ball downfield after uh, Brissett nearly gets dropped at the one-yard line. Ends up getting the ball out to the 45 on, on the pass. And... A late hit by Alexander Johnson. The Colts are in, in in business. And then the Colts end up running the ball on the two offensive plays previous to Vinatieri 
getting the opportunity to kick the game winner. That I, Maybe it was the final possession of the Broncos, then coupled with the two running plays that the Colts ran. I thought, damn it, I just said that Reich was this guy that's a step on your throat. We're not, we're not take, or we're taking the chance. We're taking the chances. We're going to get down. We're going to get in the end zone. We're not putting it on the leg of a kicker to win this game for us. And then he did that. And I think I just got sour uh, about that, kind of a little bent thinking about it. I thought, man, I hate those last two plays. sucked. I want to see the Colts get in the damn end zone. And, you know, fortunately, the Colts were able to do what they could. And with some time left, you know, the Broncos couldn't capitalize. They didn't have any timeouts uh, eventually. And they ended up having to, you know, they end up losing the game. So I think the combination of the two drives, me thinking, well, that's why the Broncos suck and the Colts are good ultimately or better than them is because they have a play caller like Frank Reich who would absolutely, in my opinion, have thrown the ball on third down with just under two minutes to go, and they didn't. And then he did exactly what I gave him credit for not doing. He did it. And so I think that that's kind of why I was so pissy about it. But this was such a – man, it, yes, the Colts come away with a win. They're 5-2 and two now. We should all be happy. Th- this game is literally going into, like, you know, I'm going to take it out in the backyard and dump it and forget it's there and, and let it fertilize my grass because it was an awful game. I don't ever want to talk about it again, and they just have to move forward now. And this is the problem, No, thinking of this. The Colts have some awful teams coming up in the near future. They go to Pittsburgh next week. They played like crap every year in Pittsburgh. They never play good in Pittsburgh. They have to come away with a win in that. You know why? Because Houston won today. They beat the Raiders. Uh, Deshaun Watson was excellent today. If you guys watched that game or not, he ended up uh, coming away with a big, big, big drive at the end to win the game for them. Uh, the Tennessee Titans were gifted a win by the referees against the Buccaneers. They forced a fumble on a fake punt uh, and um, – they blew the whistle dead. It would have been returned for a touchdown, and they blew it dead. Uh, the Buccaneers couldn't capitalize, so the Titans ended up winning as well. And the Jaguars won as well. They beat the Jets, uh, I think, pretty convincingly, like 29-15 or something like that. So the entire AFC South won today in Week 8. The Colts are lucky that they came away with a win in this one because they'd been right back in a ugly mess of 4-4, four and four four and three and five and three teams and the Colts would be right there in the mix and there'd be no clarity whatsoever and there still really isn't in the AFC South all these teams are I mean look the Titans suck they should not be four and four they're awful but the Jaguars are pretty decent under Minshew they've got a you know a a decent team they're not great or consistent but they're good enough to win some games they are good enough to beat the Colts if the Colts have a game like they played today um, the Houston Texans are more than capable of taking the Colts out in the future in their second game if they don't play well. And the Colts are also more than capable of stomping some teams. But every single game they've played this year has been a one-score game. They don't have the leader mentality right now in terms of leading, keep pushing, keep being aggressive, go downfield, take the top off of the team, 
make these teams basically bow to you. And they need to have a game like that. They need to have a game like that. If they don't have a game like that this year, this team, look, they're not going to win every game that's a one-score game. They're, I mean, like I said, every game they've played in this year has been a one-score game. They're technically they're five and two in one-score games. Okay, this year, that's not going to last. Okay, even against bad teams, you're going to have something where you put it on the leg of your kicker and you miss and you lose a one-score game, or you're going to have it where you that 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 sack fumble or that strip fumble uh, strip sack comes into play on a on a drive when you're trying to go down and win the game or something else is going to happen a fumble from the running back an interception uh anything something is going to happen or another team's going to come back on you and they're going to beat you in a one score game on a game winning drive they've got to create some space from them for themselves and this this next few weeks have to be a uh, 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 an area where the Colts have to do something to put themselves above the AFC South, not just in record, but they've got to prove that they can blow people out. Look, the Jaguars right now, when they're with their four wins, have more convinced those four wins. They have more four more convincing wins than the Colts do over their opponents. The Texans are kind of in the same boat as the Colts. Almost all their games have been, if not maybe, if not all of them, have been one-score games. But the Colts don't have a signature win this year. And I don't mean signature like they ran the ball down their throat and they won the game and dominated. Look, there's been a couple games where the Colts have dominated and the score just didn't look that way. The Colts right now need a scoreboard to say that they dominated. In my opinion, they have to show. I mean, look, hell, the Titans won a game by 30 points this year. The Colts haven't won all of their games this year by a total of 30 points. That's crazy. The Colts have to be finding themselves in a position right now to take a team and just wear them out, take them to the woodshed. And they had an opportunity to do that today, and they played down to their competition, unfortunately. They play the, t- the Steelers. They play the Dolphins, and then they play the Jaguars, and the Colts cannot afford to have all these games be one-score games. These teams suck, and they've got to do something to prove that they don't suck. You know, like I said, you get into the uh, playoffs if the Colts are lucky enough to get a berth this year, and you can't rely on your team to win a one-score game. And then almost like you're playing to win a one-score game, you've got – to start taking some shots you've got to start getting more big plays from both sides of the offense both in the passing game and the running game Mac is there for some big runs they've got to start doing it in the passing game as well take the training wheels off of Brissett let him start shooting the ball down and not only that it's not just that now I think I'm, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm even kind of treading water when I say that it's Brissett too he doesn't take some shots, and he has shots available. Andrew Luck was a kind of a, uh, I don't want to say high risk, but a higher risk, high reward kind of quarterback where you'd, he'd throw downfield, not necessarily going to worry about an interception, but he might overthrow somebody. The Colts have to take some shots like that, and the reason why is because Frank Reich is so creative within his offense. Frank Reich does take 
I mean, enormous amount of knowledge into each game plan offensively. But he's got Brissett has to get it in his head that you have to take some damn shots in this league, man. You can't ride Marlon Mack all the time, every game. And the Colts today proved that you can't ride this offensive line all the time, every game. The offensive line got their asses kicked today. Bad. By a good front four. I'm not trying to say that they were a terrible front four. For the, I mean, Jesus. They, they've got some real players, man. I mean, <laughs> th- this just wasn't some Rudy Poot front four. But the Colts can't be the team that sits around and waits to play a good front four. And then when the rest of the team sucks, the, 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 okay, well, the offensive line had a bad game and everybody else is just going to try to pick up the slack. And that's just not the way it goes. The Colts have to be able to have it, the way that they play, the way that they construct their offensive game plan, and the way that this defense is with a bend-don't-break kind of mentality. You've got to have all people on board. All hands have to be on deck. And the Colts did not have it today. They didn't. So a bad game, like I said, we're burying this in the backyard. We're going to go forward and hope that the Colts can have a convincing win here in the next few weeks because they need one. And honestly, the Colts really could use, you know, a lot of help uh, in getting to separate themselves from the rest of the AFC South because the rest of the AFC South right now is maintaining and they're keeping pace. And it's going to be awful interesting here in the next four or five weeks if everybody's keeping pace. You know, the Colts, have, that's going to make those divisional games that much more critical. So, like I said, we're going to get through this one. We're going to be done with it. We're never talking about this game again. I feel like we're going to have one of these every year. Uh, we had at least one last year, I believe, like that, too. It was just an ugly game, and uh, we were all done talking about it. So, we're done talking about this. Colts travel to Pittsburgh this week uh, for their Week 9 game. They go up to 6-2, and two and... They've got a pretty good, you know, uh, a pretty good setup um, for the rest of the season. Uh, they still have to actually play like they deserve to be six and two, though, and uh, we can hope that they'll do that against Mason Rudolph and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. So, um, at the end of the day, a win is a win, I suppose, right? Fifteen, thirteen, Colts close it out on a on a big, honestly, a lucky throw. And they end up putting uh, putting their trust in the kicker who missed two kicks earlier in the game, and uh, and it won. So we're gonna take it and uh, hope that the Colts can come back refreshed next week and not look so lethargic uh, throughout the ninety percent of the football game. So gonna get through this one, and we'll see you guys a uh, little bit later in the week. I think Wednesday we're gonna have a uh, uh, show, which will I guess would be released Thursday night or Thursday morning, early early morning. Uh, but we'll at least have two shows up this week. And uh, I know the guys from Stampede Radio and, and uh, the Pancakes will have uh, uh, a show for you guys this week as well. So uh, thank you guys all for listening. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Colts Cast.